Welcome back, folks. This is Locked On Chiefs, and it's that time of year. We get to talk about actual football, and we get to talk with someone who actually knows what's going on with the team. His name's Matt Derrick. You've seen him before, and you're going to see him again. We're going to get into it right here on Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Hey, 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 Matt, Derek, you're back. How are you? I'm I'm ready for football. I don't know about you, but I am ready for some real good old-fashioned football. Let's do it. You survived uh, your holiday weekend, Labor Day, like the last official holiday of the football season, right? Yeah, and, you know, but, hey, well, there's college football, so we had a little bit of that. Okay. But for, for now, sure. that's just an appetizer. Now we're ready to go. We haven't had, I mean, you know, the NFL's been dark for the longest period that it will ever be during a preseason, regular season. I mean, I guess we got this to look forward to in the future, mm-hmm. all of these 16-day breaks between preseason and, and the real games and everything going dark. But now it's actual game week, and starting on Wednesday, it's going to feel like an actual game week for the first time in forever. Yeah, and that lull, I think, is, is one thing I wanted to ask you about, is like for the first time of having this huge break, after cutdowns and all this time to kind of ruminate uh, for the teams to go behind closed doors. Like, how do you feel it's done in terms of a your feel for what's going on the team, you being one of the beat reporters that gets to see them when you're able and, and B for, for the team itself to have that lull before the season actually kicks off. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because in a, you know, in a typical season, so set aside 2020 in the pandemic year, um, you know, usually the team doesn't really go into hiding until really that, you know, when the final cuts are done, I mean, they go into game week. I mean, you, cause you've got that preseason game, you know, coming up to it. So, um, and they, they'll still have some open to the media practices. Um, but once, once the Chiefs moved to Kansas city, um, they only had three of those open practices to the media. There was nothing last week that was open. Um, so really we've been dark since the, the preseason game as well. So we, we haven't gotten the, we've talked to the players and some of the coaches, I haven't seen anything. Um, there's a lot that can happen in 16 days. So, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, we see the unofficial depth chart and everything. And I'm like, take it with a grain of salt, because what happens, you know, uh, on, on game day doesn't necessarily match what you saw, what we saw from the last time we saw this team. I mean, a lot of things can happen. I mean, rosters can change. Obviously, injuries have changed some things with this team as it is. Um, you know, it's that's that's going to present some unknowns because usually, you know, you feel pretty good about what maybe the lineups are going to be, who's the starters, um, what the team looks like. But 16 days, coaches can change some things. You know, oh, personnel yeah. can change. I mean, plays can get added. So uh, what the Chiefs show on gate week one now might not match what we were expecting once the last time we saw these guys. You know, and I want to get into that in the next segment because there's there's a lot to unpack there. But just generally your first takeaways from the – the only thing we've seen in that time is is Andy Reid from yesterday. Um, something that caught me off guard. I didn't quite watch it live, but any little nuggets we should have gleaned from that? Um, probably the biggest things were just some of the injury situations. I mean, I think that you know, obviously with Willie Gay going on um, injured reserve, it says an awful lot about where he is. And then you know, I know Gay has also gone on Instagram to say he'll see us in October. Um, so I think that tells you a little bit about where his injury is. Um, but we also got, you know, the notion that the backfield is fully ready to go, that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Daryl Williams are, are back. They're going to be set. Um, not much mentioned about where Frank Clark is, so that might be the only other X factor that's out there. But 
Um, seems like other than that, Austin Blythe, I mean, this team is otherwise relatively healthy and ready to go. We'll see what happens. I mean, Tyron Matthew is the other outstanding situation. And hopefully on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll start to get some clarity on that. And maybe that will, you know, whether the likelihood of him possibly being ready by Sunday will come to the focus. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, that to me were some of the biggest things that came out of, of Reed's discussion. Yeah, mine too. And we should expect to hear from the team on Wednesday, correct? Yep, Wednesday will be just like a regular day for us. So we'll hear from Andy Reid, we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes, probably a couple of other people on offense. Okay, so that will, I think, will Andy should tell us right up front if Tyron's back. If if he's not, are you concerned about that in terms of if he gets cleared before game time but doesn't get a chance to practice this week? How, how much of an issue is that for you? I don't think practice is a big concern. I mean, the only really wrinkle to it is that, you know, when he gets it back into the building and can be a part of meetings, I mean, technically nothing stopping him from being on a Zoom and watching the meetings in progress and everything. But uh, that's really the the only key thing that he would miss is would be some of the game preparation and, you know, putting into the game plan. But other than that, you know, it's Tyron Matthew. I mean, he's a vet. He knows what he's doing. So this isn't a guy that needs to get, especially this time of year, three days of practice. I mean, these guys are ready to go. So the fact that he's just had a little bit of time off, frankly, all the guys have had time off. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably going to be a talking point to the first few weeks of the season is that I, I don't think it'll be as bad as last September, but I don't think his play is going to be as crisp as we would normally expect for the beginning of the season. Cause I, I, you know, I mean, the layoff is a, is a thing, you know, the lack of preseason games is a thing. There's a lot of starters around the league who haven't played not true in Kansas city. They've played, Right. Um, but the layoff is is as of note. So I, I I don't think it's going to affect Matthew. Like I said, I think he'll play, but it's just how much can he can he be a part of the, the preparation of the game planning? I agree with you. And I think later we'll talk about some of that. But I want to get into what could have been going on or what we should expect to be unexpected here as we come into game week. We'll talk about that coming up next. It is that time of year again, and the football teams are back. The gridiron action is about to start. And I'm pretty excited about it. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action that you want to get into the game. Get all the odds, props, contests, and the biggest half million dollar mega contest, as well as the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest. They're all over there right now at betonline.ag. Head to the website, use your mobile device or anything else. You get a 100% welcome bonus if you use our code that is locked on for the promo code. And be sure to take advantage of the opening day bets. You get that full refund. Even if you lose, BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to bet all of your action for every sport that you care about. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So like you said earlier in the first segment, an unofficial depth chart's been released uh, for what that's worth. Well done, PR department. Um, it, it, it reminds me of my 53 every year because I think most of the time they're just guessing by by practice reps too. But anything that stood out to you that we should be you know, at least keeping an eye on? I mean, obviously, Ben Neiman sliding into the spot with Willie Gay out of the, on the lineup. I mean, that's somewhat predictable. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it would probably be pretty bold for the to just go ahead and put Nick Bolton in that starting spot. And I mean, it's a it's, it's a gray area. I mean, I can certainly see Steve Spagnuolo and being comfortable with a veteran hand in there against a team like the Browns in Week One, and maybe not wanting to put everything on the Nick Bolton's plate. But I'd still expect Nick, Nick Bolton to get a lot of reps. I mean. Um, I would still think that we're going to see the Chiefs in a lot of four-two-five looks. You know, a lot of nickel and dime packages. Whether you know how much, it, it, obviously, if Tyron Matthew is in there, is going to affect where Dan Sorensen's playing. 
Um, he would normally probably be the guy who's in there playing in the box that would take some reps from a linebacker. We'll see. I mean, I, I think if the Chiefs want some, you know, if they, especially if they need some big defensive plays, I think Nick Bolton needs to be in there. So that in the Tyron Matthew situation are really biggest X factors for me on defense. I mean, we'll see if Frank Clark starts and is ready to go. I mean, I've got no indication that he's not. Um, really, on the on the offensive side, yeah, there's some question marks. I mean, I'm curious to see what the the wide receiver rotation behind Hill will be. Um, but I'm also a little bit curious in what the Chiefs are going to do on the offensive line. I mean, we are all under the assumption that Lucas Niang is going to be starting at that right tackle spot. But like I said, you know, given 16 days, you know, without any prying eyes, if there's one position that Andy Reid wanted to make a change and go with a veteran, Mike Brummers would be the guy. So we will see. I can't, you know, there's nothing I can tell you that that lineup right now is 100% in ink. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going because that's something like, Andy would show you something all preseason and then flip. I have a couple of ideas about that, but that lineup in particular, A, I won't be alarmed if that's exactly what happens and Remmers comes out. So you you don't put all that pressure on three rookies, especially Lucas, who I think is going to have probably the worst matchup on that unit this particular week. I could see them trying to give him a break. Um, that makes sense to me. Will it surprise you? I know it's a possibility, but would it surprise you if Mike Remmers gets the start? Honestly, it wouldn't. And that's not a, a knock on, on Lucas Niang necessarily. It's it's more just exactly what you said, that um, especially with this lineup, you know, this early in the season with these first four games, having another veteran in there, especially next to those two rookies, I, I think would be a benefit. And And if anything, I mean, if you're talking about trying to build the confidence of a young offensive line and really get that group going, you know, which would be easier, you know, bringing Lucas Niang in later, you know, after maybe he's gotten his feet wet a little bit here in the league and then, you know, doesn't get starting until a little bit later in the season or throw him out there immediately. Um, you know, that could be the kind of thing that, you know, kind of could, could hurt him for a while if he goes out there and struggles. Whereas, you know, Mike Rimmers, you know, he's my, if he goes out there and struggles, he's a vet. It's not going to mess with his mind too much. Uh, I'm not predicting anything here and I'm not saying that, you know, hey, that Lucas Niang hasn't earned the job. I mean, Clearly, you watch everything. He's done everything the team has asked of him. Um, sometimes it's just not enough. And sometimes the th- you know, teams want to go in just a different direction and they've got a different plan. And, you know, if, if Rivers hadn't had the back injury, we probably have a, a completely different conversation right now. But, it, I mean, I, it's the one thing that I can't say with 100% certainty. I mean, that's the one, one position, especially on offense, I'll be watching the run-throughs to see who is lining up there. I'm expecting it to be Lucas Niang, but you never know. And I'll, I'll be watching your timeline, I'll tell you that. And, and folks, <laughs> we're not predicting this. I don't think either of us is. But I will say this. The more that I've gone through, and we're going to talk more about this on the game plan video on Friday afternoon to get you ready for the game. If I'm Cleveland, there's no way that I'm not stacking Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett in the C and B gaps and just attack Lucas all day long. And I don't know, like you said, the confidence factor for a young player like that, especially like I, I feel like he and Trey – communicate pretty well from what we've seen to this point but that that takes it to a whole different level those two pass rushers yeah and that's why i mean there's been i've been asked a lot this week about you know miles garrett against orlando brown and you know maybe that's the matchup to watch i think you're right i mean if i'm a defensive coordinator going up against the chiefs right now uh, as as gaudy as, as the resumes as these rookies are coming into with with as, as rosy expectations as there are that's exactly where i'm attacking i am attacking that right side of the line with everything i've got because until those guys prove something, you got to. And, and that's the kind of thing that could 
really for this offensive line, I mean, it, 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 to me, this early start, if it is the three rookies that are there and how well they perform, especially in week one, is going to go a long way, I think, to just telling the future of this offensive line. I mean, because if they if they struggle early, that's something that could take them a while before they bounce back from and gel and can really get together. Um, if they have a great week one, maybe that's an indication that, you know what, sky's the limit and they really are going to be as good as a lot of people think that they can be. But right now it's all on paper. Nothing's mm-hmm. down yet. So until they do it, we don't know how they're going to perform when the bullets start flying. Well, and I'll say this to you. You can always bring them in. If you get to a comfortable lead, you can always platoon in in the second half, fourth quarter, whatever you want to do to get some of those early reps that aren't putting the game on the line from the starting bell. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not going to be concerned with that. I hope you guys don't get too concerned about that. Um, the question is, is the communication there. And I think that that is all about not just between the five of them, but between Mahomes and them. I look for it to be pretty quick paced uh, passing game with selected shots here and there. I don't think that's got to be the basis of the game plan. Do you? No, I I don't necessarily. But at the same time, I mean, I'm expecting this offense to come out, you know, ready to push the ball a little bit Um, for no other reason than that's what the Chiefs offensively seem to, to do every year early on. I mean, They've got a few new wrinkles that they want to show. They they clearly have no break in the first quarter of the season. Andy Reid certainly doesn't. So he's they're, they're going to do what they're going to do, I mean, to me. And so, you know, yeah, I think you could certainly see a little bit of the fast break offense Chiefs. I don't think they're going to be forcing the ball downfield, but I, I think they're going to push it a little bit. Um, they're going to do what they do. And if that means, you know, you got some 90-second drives that go five plays and 80 yards, it's going to happen. Um, might get some three and outs too in there. You know, yeah. maybe yeah, it, could, it could go a lot of different ways, but I expect that they're going to try and be their high explosive themselves with a wrinkle that, you know, increasingly through Mahomes' first three years, they've gotten more and more deliberate every single year, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe deliberate is a little bit more of the, the word to use because they still take their shots. They still push it, but their goal isn't necessarily, and, and, and Eric Bieniemy even made a remark uh, a couple of weeks ago that, made everybody in the media workroom start joking about the fact that, you know, Eric Benham used to say every play is designed for a touchdown. Well, not every play is designed for a touchdown with these Chiefs. <laughs> so this this Chiefs team is, you know, they want to move the ball a little bit, control it. I mean, they want to take some time. They want to take the heat off the defense. Mm-hmm. So they're they're gonna but they're gonna do what they're gonna do. And that means that they come out and Mahomes puts 42 points on the board, that's what he's gonna do. So be it. So be it. <laughs> Accept have- it gladly. <laughs> right. Well, I have some questions about that defense, and I, I have one one thing that I think Andy Reid's hiding, and I want to get your opinion on. We're going to do that coming up next. We got to tell you about our pals at Built Bar, and you've heard us talk about them before, and we just can't stop because we enjoy them so much. Whether it was the special flavors like the coconut brownie chunk or the grasshopper cookie, like there are a number of things that make them very unique that they make their bars for their customers. And at the end of the day, they're all nutritious in terms of right around 150, uh, 130 to 180 calories is the range, all with 17 or 18 grams of protein in one bar and low sugar, low net carbs, like five grams of sugar on the average. And it comes in handy when you're trying to fulfill your workout regimen, whatever diet plan you're on, whatever you're trying to do nutritionally, Bill Bar can help you there. And at the end of the day, they taste great. And that's what it comes down to with all their flavors, whether it's the coconut chunk brownie, uh, whether they're standard flavors like salted caramel cookies and cream and German chocolate. Uh, mint brownie is one of my favorites. There's a lot out there. I think you'll find something 
that you can enjoy today. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off of your next order. Use that promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your next order at built.com. Football season is back. Let's make the most of it and find the better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service out there. They offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 33, and way more than I can even run down here. Run Your Pool offers hosts for NFL, college, as well as one-week games, full-season playoffs, and the Super Bowl. Unlike your fantasy sports platforms, Run Your Pool has options and settings you make your own. Reconnect with friends and nearly 2 million people, football fans alike, and make every game action-packed this season. All you got to do is check them out today and get $10 off of your runyourpool.com slash locked on. Use your promo code locked on to check out. Anywhere, everywhere around the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. This NFL season starts on the 9th. Start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on. Obviously, we we have the question mark of Frank Clark, his, his health. Um, I don't think there's anything beyond health here with Frank. Um, interesting to me that Alex Okafor, who I thought played pretty sparingly in the preseason, is going to be the primary backup up there. I expect Mike Dana to be the first guy into the game. Is that jive with you? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I think what the Chiefs are really hoping for from, from Okafor is that, yeah, I mean, he's a rotational piece. Uh, maybe gets 30 to 40 percent of the snaps, um, you know, more if somebody goes down with an injury. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's part of the rotation at this point. And they've got six def- defensive, ed- you know, end players for a reason, edge players for a reason. So they're, they're they're going to try and give Chris Jones and Frank Clark a little bit more of a break um, than they've had in years past. Um, you know, we've seen sometimes when both those guys have had 80 percent plus snaps, if not more than that. That's a lot of workload for for those big guys, yeah. um, and especially with Jones probably playing a little bit, maybe a little bit of a dual role too. I think they want to get him more of a rest, especially in a seventeen game season, to be fresher later. And they've got the guys to do it. So yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see Mike Dana. It'll be interesting to see, you know, who are the inactives in Week mm-hmm. One. Um, Joshua Kando certainly is a as a prospect for not being that guy because I think at this point he's probably a, a rotational piece and. And if that's the you know point, then you get five defensive ends, and it'll be a little bit more rotation for the other guys. But yeah, I think that I think Mike Dana at this point, I think has probably earned the right to be a, a higher on the depth chart than than Okafor has. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you completely. And that balance is going to be interesting because they have to cover OBJ, but they have to pressure Baker. I think to be effective in taking away OBJ because even Sneed, I, I have, we'll talk about this on the game plan on Friday, folks, uh, over on RGR as well. Um. It's going to be a concerted effort, and I don't think that you can really put all your eggs in that basket. So to combat that, I think that the offense has to take a step forward. And the one thing that I keep feeling like Andy Reid is kind of hiding these days is what he's going to do with Noah Gray. And I know it was a very slow preseason, but it feels to me that they've developed this package of plays, and I'm guessing the last 16 days since we saw them, they've been practicing the snot out of them. And that's going to be the X factor in this game plan. Does, does that make any sense or am I crazy? You're not necessarily crazy, but I could see it going both ways because yeah. the Chiefs spent a lot of time at OTAs and training camp on Noah Gray packages and things specifically for him. But giving him also a lot of reps um, with second and third team and on down the lineup. I mean, you know, it, he was not exclusively a first, second, third, third team player. He played everywhere. And I think a big part of that was obviously just to give him the reps and the snaps. I was a bit curious that his his time with the ones seemed to go down as training camp progressed rather than really increasing. 
Mm-hmm. So I could see part of it uh, uh, of the preseason philosophy was just trying to get Noah Gray as many snaps as possible to get some compressed developmental time. But honestly, I mean, look at the depth chart. I could certainly make the argument that maybe Gray's the fourth guy in the depth chart right now and needs a little bit of, of a, uh, you know, just time to develop in season. Because as a receiver, I, as, an, as, an, as a piece of the game plan, I think Jody Fortson's more developed at this point. And if there is a secret weapon on the, on the offense as a tight end, it might be time to release Jody Fortson. Wow. Which I, I think you would like as well. I would enjoy that. I would be so happy <laughs> for him. I like, I, I did not expect you to say that. That's impressive. <laughs> if that happens to be the case, I mean, what do you have? You have smaller linebackers. Jody's clearly got uh, a size advantage over the the Cleveland backers. Um, I would say that he has a speed advantage as well for the most part. Um, wow, that's really interesting. I went the total opposite thing that this is Andy's like, he didn't do the, oh, he stubbed his toe and went to IR in the last possible second thing this year. So I kind of thought like, oh, we're just going to bury no over here. Nobody, nobody look, we're all shiny over on this side. You know what I mean? But maybe you're right. And so that brings me back to whether it, whoever it happens to be, how much of the second tight end do you expect to see here in week one or early in the season, say? That's really curious because, you know, last year we saw the Chiefs get away from the tight end a little bit as far as, you know, multiple tight end sets, and especially at least compared to Andy Reid's past. And But honestly, I think it's just because he, he didn't feel like he had the horses last year. You know, the, the guys who could, you know, do the things that he wanted to get done. And, and certainly from a, a a offensive standpoint, as far as being an actual weapon in the offense, now you, you do have at least, you know, three guys behind Kelsey who can do some different things. I mean, Blake Bell, obviously... If he's in there, most of the time it's, it's going to be to block. It's, he's not going to be a primary or a secondary or tertiary receiver. I mean, he's going to be in there to block. And honestly, I expect you'll see a lot of Blake Bell uh, on on Sunday because I think they're going to need the help for the offensive line to just you know get some chips here and there and help out those guys, especially early on in the season. Um, the qu- curious question to me is just might be just how many three tight end sets that you see, and if you do see Fortson out there a little bit, if he's the active one. Um, and you see some of them pairing with him and Kelsey, or you see him out there with Kelsey on the bench, or if it is a gray, you know, you see a little bit just of more of those guys and less of Kelsey trying to, you know, because one of the goals of drafting Noah Gray was certainly with the idea that you give some rest on the wear and tear of Travis Kelsey too. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm really curious at to see how they deploy the other tight ends and in conjunction with Kelsey. And if we are, we are, if we are going to see, you know, this team going back to some of Andy Reid's bread and butter building around the tight ends and having multiple tight ends out there and doing different things. You know, it goes back to our earlier conversation too. If you are going to start Niang against those pass rushers, maybe his best friend is Blake Bell, whether it's in the H or the Y in line or whatever, just to constantly help him. I know you never want to limit yourself by keeping a six blocker all the time. This might be a week to do it. Yeah, it really could. I mean, uh, that's, uh, you know, and, and hey, Blake Bell is not the world's greatest blocker or anything, but, you know, he's solid and he's he's a veteran guy and he knows what he's doing. So it, it's not like I'm expecting Blake Bell to be able to go out there and take on Miles Garrett one on one. No, nobody's expecting him to do that. But you're talking right. You're talking about a guy who can give a little chip here and there, who can just help out, um, who's got the experience to, you know, you know, recognize some some packages and see what's coming off of the edges you know, that's tough for a rookie. It would certainly be a tough guy for like Jody Fortson even still because Fortson's still developing in that position. And, and that was the one thing during training camp that was still, he was really coming along with, but it's still the thing that he needs to work on is blocking. 
and especially, you know, recognition when, you know, what is his role? Blake Bell's got a lot better firm grasp of that. So you're right. I mean, I think he's going to be the tackle's best friend, especially early in the season. Well, I think it's going to be interesting, folks. We'll be back. We'll have a little bit more as we go through the week. The crossovers tomorrow, our game preview. Uh, Matt will be over on RGR on Friday. Thanks for all the time today, Matt. And despite the fact that I think that there's six defensive ends on the Chiefs roster, I do realize that there's only five. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I think, I think after I said it, I was like, right? wait, Tim Ward is not on this roster anymore. Why no. isn't Tim Ward here? <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you, but hey. But then I felt like I, I better correct myself before everybody corrects me. Well, see, if you all didn't wait for the end of the episode, that's why you do it. Uh, do, just real point blank then, knowing the Kando is five, is he active? Probably not. I still think that, you know, I mean, you, I could certainly see with nine defensive linemen only that maybe they all will be active. But the, the odd man out of that line right now would be Kando. Okay. We will revisit and have a more specific look at this on Friday over in OGR, folks. Thanks for spending the time. Thanks for being here, Matt. Thanks. Talk to you later, Ryan. Folks, thanks for watching. Make sure you like, sub, and do the thing on YouTube and all of the podcast envelopes that you can go look for us in. We'll be back with you tomorrow.